Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 7, Chapter 3, Part 2. Rachel pushed her mech as hard as possible without redlining systems. She double-checked her coordinates, adjusted her heading, and pushed harder. Biz? No answer. Biz, it's Rach. Do you copy? Still no answer. Hey, Jethro, do you have a lock on Bisbee? I have a lock, but not much info. Something's jamming the signal. What info do you have? Looks like weapon systems are ready, but not active yet. I'd say he's about to get in the shit. How far off am I? You're at least an hour, if not two. Shit. Don't worry, Rage, he can handle himself. Red legs gripped the iron girder, swinging it like a club. Bisbee barely piloted out of the way, crushing husks of burnt-out cars as he scrambled out of range. He switched on his external loudspeakers. Oh, you want to play, do ya? He quickly scanned his surroundings and found his weapon. Circling right, he forced Red legs to the left. Bisbee ducked and rolled, barely dodging a massive swipe. He came up holding two short clusters of rebar, one in each mech fist. Bitch, you ain't gonna take me one-on-one. The two death machines closed on each other. This is Commander Caprizi, Caprizi said, answering the secure comm that chimed in. Caprizi, good to hear your voice. This is First General Powell, UDC Command. General, it's an honor. Everything all right? Sure, sure. I'm just calling to send my condolences over the loss of Pilot Stanislaw. Thank you, General. He, he was a great pilot and friend. He'll be missed by all. Of course. Of course. The General trailed off. Is there something else you wanted to discuss, sir? Well, Commander, yes, there is. You see, the UDC has been working on a retrovirus. Caprizi listened, his blood running cold. Bisbee ducked low, swinging the rebar at Red Legs, trying to take the dead mech out at the knees. Red Legs leapt over the attack, twisting in the air, and brought the girder down right at Bisbee's cockpit. 
Bisbee raised two, the two clutches of rebar up in an X, blocking Red Legs' attack. An alarm sounded, warning a possible hydraulics failure. Bisbee ignored the alarm, putting all his attention on fending off Red Legs as the debtor slammed the girder down again and again. Red Legs roared. Fuck you too, Bisbee yelled, finally able to roll away from Red Legs. Are all of your communication security protocols in place, Commander? General Powell asked. Yes, sir. We, we are clear to speak freely. Good. Now, as I'm sure you are aware, the UDC has been implementing full inoculation programs in all of the city-states. No, sir. I wasn't aware. Really? It came to my attention Dr. Lisbon of Foggy Bottom had contacted your chief medical officer regarding the pro program. I wasn't informed, sir. Uh, I'll speak with her. Oh, well, it's of no real consequence, Caprizi. Is Dr. Thermopolis available? I'd like her to join in this conversation. I'll hail her, sir. Bisbee came up firing, his plasma cannons glowing red-hot with each successive blast. Redlegs agilely dodged to the left, taking cover behind some debris. Chunks of ancient concrete and steel filled the air as Bisbee followed Redlegs' movement, trying to aim his blasts ahead of the debtor. Fucking stand still! Bisbee yelled, and Red Legs did, using the girder to block several of the plasma blasts. The undead machine hurled the warped and melted chunk of metal straight at Bisbee. Bisbee brought an arm up to deflect the attack, the collision forcing his mech to stumble backwards. Thermopolis, the doctor answered, checking Steve's vital signs. Doctor, I have General Powell on secure comm. I hope you have a few minutes for to speak privately. Thermopolis glanced at the doorway as Harlow came in, sleepily stretching. She motioned at her calm ear, and Harlow nodded, shooing her away and taking over Steve's assessment. Dr. Thermopolis left the infirmary quickly. Of course, sir. I'm almost to my office now. Excellent, doctor, the general chimed in. I have some great news regarding the newly developed retrovirus Dr. Lisbon informed you of. Thermopolis froze and forced herself not to be sick. Redlegs took immediate advantage of Bisbee's faltering and open fire. Bisbee took a graze to the right shoulder, the smell of scorched metal overpowering his environmental filters as his mech slammed to the ground. He checked systems and saw he had been lucky, sustaining only minimal damage. Quickly, Bisbee tucked his mech back behind a half-buried transport, hoping the shell still had enough structural integrity left to take the onslaught. Redlegs' blasts began to slow, the concussions weakening. Bisbee checked his scanners and smiled. The debtor was losing power. Okay, he said aloud. No more fucking around. I'm ready to proceed, sirs, Thermopolis said, settling into her desk chair, apprehension clawing at her, forcing her to keep her voice even. Excellent. I'll keep this brief, as I know you are both busy, the general said. At approximately 1,700 hours tomorrow, a supply train will be arriving with the inoculation for your base personnel. Sir? Caprizi said, stunned. Yes, Commander. We have already inoculated all of the city-states and security outposts. Your base is the last on the list. We didn't want to rush the process, seeing as the mechs are an integral part of our overall survival. Bisbee rolled his mech to the right into a tight crouch. Redlegs circled, trying to get the advantage, its cannons glowing dully. Looks like you're almost out of juice, debtor, Bisbee taunted. Redlegs roared. Bisbee sprang, his mech launching into the air, twisting away from the cannon blasts. Three, two, one, the two mechs collided in a ground-shaking crunch. 
Bisbee didn't lose stride, tucking his mech's left arm up under Redlegs and lifting it into the air. He brought the right arm down fast, smashing at Redlegs' cockpit, hoping to crush the zombie pilot inside. Is there anything I need to have prepared, sir? Thermopolis asked, her voice audibly shaking now. No, no, we have everything taken care of. There will be two med techs to administer the inoculations and a small security force to accompanying them. I'll be sure and have accommodations ready, sir, Caprizi said, picking up on Thermopolis's faltering poise, hoping the general hadn't. Not necessary, Commander. They will only be there long enough for the techs to complete their work and for the train to refuel and resupply. Well, sir, the doctor and I will have the base ready. Bisbee raged as he pounded away at Redlegs' cockpit hatch, so close he could smell the rot and decay. The dead mech tried to ward off the blows, but it was no match for Bisbee's close combat skills. For every maneuver it tried to make, Bisbee expertly countered, never letting the bludgeoning slack. After only minutes, the dead mech's power reserves gave up and the giant machine became dead weight. Bisbee threw the deader to the ground and shoved his 50 millimeter into the cracked cockpit, ready to vaporize the barely moving zombie pilot. Piz, talk to me, Rachel crackled. Now, I do need to verify all base personnel will be present, General Powell said casually. Well, no, sir. I have a team on a supply run to Foggy Bottom as we speak. They won't return for a few days. Their names, Commander? Breezy hesitated. This wasn't protocol. There was no need for a first general to be inquiring about the roster. That was why he had an assistant. Pilot Masters, General Mechanic Rind, and our new rookie. There was a slight pause. Excellent, Commander. Thank you. I'll let both of you return to your busy schedules. Thank you, sir. What you want, Rach? Bisbee asked, exhausted, trigger finger itching to depress and obliterate Redlegs' zombie pilot. What do I want? What do I fucking want? Rachel exploded. I want to know that you aren't dead or food, that you are still alive and in one piece. That's what I fucking want. Bisbee took a breath and removed his finger from the trigger. Yeah, I'm in one piece. Redlegs is out of commission. Bisbee undid his harness and opened his cockpit. I'm descending now to retrieve the head for Thermopolis. Be careful. Bisbee snorted and climbed down his mech. Caprizi strode from his office. Thermopolis, what's your location? I'm in my office. I was about to return to the infirmary, she answered over the comm. Stay put. I'm coming to you. Of course, sir. Is this about the inoculations? You're goddamn right it's about the inoculations, Caprizi shouted. I'm almost to your office, and we are going to get a few things straight before the train arrives. Let Harlow know you may be a while before you return. Copy that? There was silence on Thermopolis's end. Doctor, did you copy that? Yes, sir, I copy. I'll alert Pilot Harlow. Matthew dozed briefly his motor drive set to auto and course plotted. The proximity alarm sounded and roused him from his nap. Instantly he was alert and checking all systems. A quick scan showed a transport and what was possibly three ATVs about six miles out. He couldn't quite tell what they were doing, but further readings confirmed the presence of a few dozen zombies. What the? He disengaged the motor drive and took control of his mech, adjusting his course towards the source of the readings. Let's see what we got going on over here, he muttered to himself. 
Bisbee pried open the dead mech's cockpit with a short shovel. The zombie pilot squirmed in its harness, its rotted teeth gnashing and grinding, its yellow dead eyes never leaving Bisbee's. Bisbee stared down at the abomination. You poor sad sack of shit. He thrust the shovel blade down into the zombie's throat and through its neck, severing the head. He stood there for several minutes just looking at the decapitated zombie. Who did you used to be? How's your progress, Biz? Rachel interrupted. Progressing fine, Mom. Bisbee slipped on heavy rubber gloves and bent down to retrieve the head. You want to fucking tell me why I learned from a first general that my own chief medical officer has known about retrovirus inoculations, but decided not to fucking tell me? Caprizi screamed, exploding into Thermopolis' office. If it was to make me look like a fucking asshole, then you fucking succeeded! Sir, it's not what you think, Thermopolis said quietly. Not what I think? How do you fucking know what I think? I don't even know what I fucking think right now! Caprizi stood there, chest heaving, his hands planted on his hips. Thermopolis refused to make eye contact. Rach, heads retrieved. CPU and hard drive also. All ready for Thermopolis. Where are you at? Bisbee said, strapping back into his harness. I'm still a few miles off. Head towards me. We should meet up in about 30 minutes. Got you on my scope. See you in a few. Bisbee took one last look at the dead mech that was red legs. You always seem tougher than that. Guess I'm just the better mech. Bisbee started to walk his mech away from the scene, but blaring klaxons stopped him. Hundreds of zombies swarmed from out of nowhere, heading straight for Bisbee. Caprizi glared at the doctor. Fucking look at me when I'm talking to you. Thermopolis forced herself to meet the commander's eyes. She studied his face for a moment, and realization dawned on her. You really don't know anything about this, do you? If I've been talking to myself... For a doctor, you're a fucking idiot. So you have no clue that the inoculation is just a smokescreen? What the hell are you talking about? Nanotech, Thermopolis stated flatly. Caprizi's confidence faltered. What are you saying? The UDC is injecting nanobots into every single person within their authority. Matthew watched the ATVs surround the 50 or so zombies, driving them towards the large transport. Fucking ranchers, he muttered as he lowered his binox and slowly crawled backwards down the low rise to his mech. He was up, strapped in, and hailing Jethro within a minute. What you need, Maddie? Get me Caprizi. No, please? What is with you today, Jethro? Daddy Jay not around to rebel against, so you have to act out towards me? Am I your surrogate brother? My brother died in my arms when I was fifteen, asshole. Really? Sorry. No, not really. I'll get Caprizi. Bisbee opened fire with both plasma cannons and the 50 millimeter, taking out the first wave of zombies as they surged towards him. Rachel! What, Biz? Get your ass here now! I've got hundreds of undead coming straight for me! They are too close to take out! The swarm overwhelmed Bisbee's weapons and smashed directly into him, the weight of the dead bringing the mighty mech to the ground. Bisbee sent a high-voltage current through his mech's exoskeleton, hoping to fry the zombies off, but only the first few were affected, melting a layer of rotten flesh to his mech. Caprizi here. What you need, Jespers? Sir, I have confirmation of ranchers. They have a herd of zombies, maybe 50, 60 total. Looks like they're heading for Timpson's Bluff. Shall I pursue? 
No, let them alone. The UDC has said that as long as the cults don't bother us, we aren't to bother them. But did they say we couldn't follow them? I can do some quick recon and mark their base, in case we need to come back. What was that, Jespers? You're breaking up. I didn't hear a word of what you just said. Copy? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Are you okay, sir? Thomopoulos asked, seeing the worry on Caprizi's face as he severed the comm connection with Matthew. We've got ranchers out near Timpson's Bluff. Timpson's Bluff? Ranchers aren't usually that close to us, if I'm not mistaken. You aren't, Caprizi said, sighing. But first things first, I need to know why you didn't come to me with this. Thomopoulos paused before answering. I wasn't sure you could be trusted, sir. I was warned that this is top-level UDC. Fair enough. So now what? Caprizi asked. I don't know, Thomopoulos answered, but we have to stop them. Bisbee struggled against the weight of zombie bodies piling onto his mech, but for every few he was able to crush or toss aside, twice as many replaced them. He could hear cables snapping, hydraulics cracking, and his mech groan under the weight. A hairline crack appeared in his cockpit, and he was tempted to say, fuck it and start firing his sidearm through the windshield at the zombie faces trying to gnash and gnaw their way in. Suddenly, above the noise of the zombie swarm, Bisbee could hear rapid gunfire. The weight on his mech began to lessen, quickly. Matthew was able to track the rancher transport on his sensors, and he guessed correctly. They headed straight for Timpson's Bluff. Unable to get any closer without his mech being observed, Matthew shut down power and climbed from the cockpit, carbine strapped to his shoulder and binox in hand. He stood facing the rough, steep surface of the cliff, knowing that it would be a hard climb, but worth the unobstructed and unobserved view of the rancher's activities. I'm gonna be fucking sore tomorrow, he sighed. Walking back to the mech, he began unloading climbing gear from a storage compartment. So how do these nanobots work? Caprizi asked. I'm not sure, to be honest, Thomopoulos replied. The tech behind it has never been released into public knowledge. In fact, last I heard, the UDC gave up on its success years ago. Either this has been a completely classified project, or there was some recent breakthrough I didn't hear about. Either way, it's a bit extreme to inject those things into the entire population. UDC population, Thomopoulos corrected. What? From the info I have seen, none of the wasteland inhabitants have been injected. Hmm, Caprizi mused. Why only the UDC population? Rachel? Is that you? Bisbee yelled into his comm. Rachel! He slammed his fist against the console. Fucking piece of shit, comm! Jethro is fucking dead! The gunfire continued and zombies were now visibly falling away. He shoved and fought, tossing many aside. Without warning, there was a crack and then searing pain exploded in his right shoulder. Motherfucker! Bisbee looked down at the rapidly spreading patch of blood. He abandoned getting his mech upright and cut open his uniform. Tearing into his med kit, he slapped a compression bandage on the wound, hoping it would stop the bleeding. Rachel's legs burned from the effort of running her mech as hard as possible. Biz! Come in! Biz! Shit! She tried to lock onto his location, but her sensor's readings were all over the place. God damn it, she yelled. Jethro! What the hell is wrong with my systems? She waited for the reply, but was only met with static. Jethro, what the fuck? She knew she was close, but with a lack of proper sensor readings and no calm, 
He could be just over a hill, and she'd run right past him. This just fucking sucks, she screamed, filled with frustration. Bisbee ignored the pain. Pain was for pussies that didn't pilot 40-ton war machines. He forced his mech upright and pulled the trigger, laying waste to dozens of zombies still swarming his mech. Fluids and tissue splattered across his cockpit, streaking the windows. The whirling machine guns clipped empty and came to a halt, barrels smoking. Bisbee glanced at the weapon's levels, empty, everything. Movement on the horizon, a mech. He wasn't sure if it was living or dead, or if it mattered anymore. All he had was his sidearm. He planned on saving one bullet for himself. Ready to set camp? Masters asked over the comm. As good as place as any, Jay responded. The rookie stared out of the wide open expanse of wasteland. Aren't we a little exposed? Not really, Jay answered. It's easier to set a security perimeter. Jay saw the look on the rookie's face. Listen, if you set up against a cliff or hill, you have to secure elevation, which means you have gravity working against you. There really isn't any safe place in the waste. Might as well keep it open and make the zombies cover ground to get to you. Fucking hell! Rachel yelled as she nearly toppled over, trying to sidestep the mini-mech that came out of nowhere and screamed past her. She slowed her mech and spun around, having to physically observe the machine since her sensors were still non-operational. But the mini-mech was gone. She came to a full stop and turned, 360 degrees, trying to spot it again. Nothing. Jethro! What? Jesus, you trying to pop my eardrums? Jethro answered. Thank God, the calm is back up. Which mini do you have out here? What? I called two and four in. They're almost back to base. Matthew lay belly down, just at the edge of the bluff, peering through his binocs, not believing what he was seeing. What are the ranchers doing loading zombies onto UDC transports? He thought. He scooted away from the edge and back to his climbing gear. He strapped on his rappelling harness, tossed the rope off the cliff side, and descended. He debated whether to alert Caprizi now or wait until he was secure at base. He had no idea what monitoring tech the UDC transports had. Hell, he had no idea if they'd already had his mech on their sensors. Am I just hearing voices, or is the comm back up? Bisbee asked. My comm was never down. It must have been just you guys, Jethro answered. Biz, what's your location? Rachel asked. Wait, never mind. Sensors are operational again, also. What happened? I don't know, but it got pretty lonely out here. I've got a visual on your mech, Rach. Turn around, I'm five miles behind you, Bisbee said, randomly stomping on the zombies that were still moving. Yeah, I gotcha. Be there shortly. Don't bother. I'm doing a little clean-up, and then I'll head your way. The sun set quickly, turning the wasteland into an appropriate blood-red landscape. Hey, anybody still out here? Matthew called over an open channel. Maddie? Why aren't you at base? Rachel asked. I found something interesting. I'll fill you in back at base. You okay? I'm fine. Things got weird, but nothing I couldn't handle. I'm fucking fine, too. Thanks for asking, Bisbee grumbled. Just got shot in the shoulder, that's all. Damn, you okay? Yeah, we stopped and Rach patched me up. She's good that way. Yep, I'll let you two talk in private. See you back at base. June was barely conscious when Chunks threw her onto the skin rug. She knew she was in pain, 
but it seemed so distant, foreign. Chalk had taken over hours ago after the fourth or fifth time Riley had raped her. She fought to keep her senses, knowing any bit of information she could retain could save her life. We found this one messing with the larder, boss, Chunks said. Two leather boots filled her vision as the boss stepped closer to examine her. What happened, Chunks? Riley couldn't wait, boss. He, he had to have a taste. Call him in here. Rachel and Matthew walked their mechs through the night, separated by miles, but connected by their calm, each listening to the other's breathing. A shooting star shot past the horizon. Did you see that? Matthew asked. The shooting star? Rachel responded. Yeah, better make a wish. It already came true. Ugh, I'm going to be sick, Bisbee interrupted. I thought you were going to give us some privacy, Matthew stated, slightly annoyed. Yeah, well, I got bored. Although I'm beginning to think boredom is better than nausea. Rachel reached out and punched Bisbee's mech, sending him stumbling. Hey, sorry, got bored. The rookie was actually grateful when the high-pitched keening woke him. The trip across the waste was bringing up long, dead memories, making his sleep fitful. He sat up immediately, grabbing his carbine. Floodlights from the mechs were triggered, and the rookie had to squint into the light. What is it? the rookie called out. A couple wanderers broke the perimeter, Master said, checking readings on his tablet. All clear now. Go back to sleep. System staying strong? Jay asked sleepily, still wrapped in his sleeping bag. Everything checks out fine. Good, good, Jay mumbled, already asleep before he finished speaking. Boss, June heard Riley say. She felt searing pain between her legs as her bladder loosed. What's the law? The boss's voice growled. Huh? The law, Riley. Well, she ain't no virgin. I checked. I figured you wouldn't mind if I had some fun. Through her hazy vision, June watched the boss's boots step away. There was a small metallic sound, a wet gurgle, then Riley, throat slashed and gushing, fell next to her, his eyes wide. Chunks? Yeah, boss? Dress this asshole for tomorrow's lunch. Yes, boss. It was then June saw the various tattoos adorning the boss's boots. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech. The world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Acres. Outro music is Destroyed by The Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at peculiarcomics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works United States 3.0 License. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. And thank you for listening. My head is Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech. Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, 
as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.